and welcome back to the 6 a.m. Run podcast. I'm your host, Mark Paisant. Thanks again for joining us. And before we get into this really good show with a really great guest, we have Dr. Matthew Shiver on the show this week. As always, this show is brought to you by 6 a.m. Run and 6 a.m. Run dot com head over to the website and sign up for a chance to get or not a chance you're going to get 20 percent off of your first order so matt dr shiver thank you so much for joining us today if you wouldn't mind go ahead and introduce yourself to everyone listening yeah my name is dr matt you can call me dr matt <laughs> i am a physical therapist by trade turned entrepreneur and the last year, this last year, I've actually been in Austin. But before that, I was living six months just on the road, traveling, living a nomadic lifestyle. So I'm excited to get to share my story today. And uh, thanks for having me on. <laughs> You're welcome. So let's start there. Physical therapist turn entrepreneur. So in your history, has, has fitness, has, you know, staying active, has that something? Are you are, uh, an athlete as a kid, as a teenager? Is, how has fitness played and sports played a part in your life? Oh, 100%. And that's what got me into to physical therapy in the first place was I, I got injured playing football. So uh, all, all the way growing up, I played football, basketball, and baseball. And I had uh, three little brothers and I had a stepbrother at one point. So there's like, there's five of us, super competitive, you know, every, everything, everything from sports to like, you know, airsoft to paintball <laughs> to play and tag and just like chase. Yeah. We, we played a lot growing up and fitness is a big component of my life. And it brought me to the career that I'm in now. Cause I, I was doing all the sports and then I, I started picking up weights <laughs> when I was in sixth grade and loved the process. Just like was lifting weights with my best friend and his dad in his garage with like a rusty barbell and having a blast with it. And that, that continued on throughout high school. I got hurt and then introduced to physical therapy where it's really similar to the lifting weights and uh, continued on that path and got my doctorate degree at Duke University for PT. And I've done a few other things that's really cool with, with fitness and but yeah, it all started with just that love of the body and just seeing what the body can do for you and just having fun too, playing and moving. So there are two things you mentioned that I did not like as a child. And one was lifting weights and the other one was physical therapy because it hurt, to be honest with you. I know I don't know if it's supposed to hurt, but I've had physical therapy as an adult too when I, I've had uh, foot surgery and hand surgery and both of those required physical therapy and I didn't like it as an adult, but I've learned to like weightlifting. So what was it about? You said sixth grade. What was it about that process of, of lifting heavy weights and lifting heavier weights to make like, what was it about that? Do you remember like how that really like brought you into that lifestyle? What was it about the, the weights that you like? Yeah. I, I mean, and it's, it's a deep question. If you really think about it, it's like, you know, it's like the why game. It's like, well, why did you do that's this? What I, why that's what I do. And, I don't know if I do. That's you know? what I do. Uh, I mean, ultimately it was like, I want to get better at sports. It's like, well, why do I want to get better at sports? Cause I wanted to be the cool kid, right? I want to be the popular kid. that's <laughs> like, you know, muscular, fast, strong. And like people look up to, and you know, so like ultimately, and I, I realized this way later down in, in the road, but a lot of it was fueled by this feeling of, uh, inadequacy or wanting to be 
better. So I'm perceived a certain way. I didn't realize at the time, you know, at the time I was like, man, this is just a lot of fun. I'm going to get really good at football. I'm going to go play division one football somewhere. Then I'm going to go be a pro <laughs> athlete somewhere, you know? So it's like, it was part of the process. What every sixth grade athlete like wanted, like you had that. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so, well, well, good for you. So, so fast forward, you get the opportunity to go to a great school in Duke, an absolutely wonderful school. And we're going to get to what you're doing now. But when you went to Duke your freshman year, did you know that, somehow, some way you wanted to get into some type of fitness or sports related thing or, or as a freshman, were you kind of like me where it's like, Hey, we'll, we'll see where this thing takes us. What was it like as, as an 18 year old heading to Duke? Yeah. So I actually went to, to grad school, grad okay. school at Duke. And then I went to Appalachian state for oh, undergrad, you went to State for undergrad. Still North Carolina. Oh, okay. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. So I, I would right now just, to, I don't want to put any salt in the wounds, but I think app football would maybe a little better than Duke right now. I don't know if you'd agree with that, but we can, that's, oh, I think so. Okay. For sure. For football. Uh, definitely. So, definitely. So you're, I hope so. I hope, yeah. <laughs> so for, for a 18 year old at app state and absolutely great school. I mean, just a, just a great part of the country too. What was that like? Did you know yeah. what you wanted or you just kind of uh, wanted to have the college experience? I, I thought I was going to walk on there. So that was a big part of it. And and part of my journey too is like, you know, I, I got hurt playing college, like in high school football. I couldn't play a year. So my senior year I played and I was like, I didn't have any film. So I, I wasn't able to get recruited because I had an injury and I was like, Ooh, I'm going to walk on an app state. And, um, going there is like, well, what do you want to do? I'm like, I want to play football. And <laughs> In addition to that, it was like, I knew I want to do something that was with the body. I didn't know if it was going to be a physical therapist, if it was going to be owning my own gym. Yeah, I, I, th I think I actually went in with like a double major. I was like, I'm going to major in finance and I'm going to major in exercise science, hoping that like I could kind of do two things. And as I got clear on what I wanted to do and I got into school, it started to be more around the body, more around movement more around letting the body heal and perform at its, its highest, like optimal level. So I realized that, but it took, it took me probably at least a, a year being in college to realize, yeah, the finance stuff, the banking, that's not really fun. You're like, I'm good with numbers, but that's not fun. Like what is fun is, is to learn about like, how do we work? What are the things that put, are put together that make us actually function? That was fascinating. And now doing what you do now, and, and we'll get into that now, you know, having that financial aspect, having being, you know, financially savvy is something that you work on, you help people work on. So let's kind of skip to what you're doing now. So you said you, you know, were in physical therapy, but now, you know, mm -hmm. got your entrepreneur journey started. <laughs> and so what do you do now? How do you help people now? How do you help businesses now? What is your, is your current role? Yeah. Great question. So after I graduated PT school, I, I was practicing physical therapy for about, about a year off and on. And while I was doing that, I was also building an online business. It was an online fitness business and it was, it was for helping first responders improve their fitness. And that was one of the roles I had. I, I had a few other gigs, but that was like the, the big one. And I was having so much fun and seeing I could have a much bigger impact when I started to work online and go this way online, as opposed to 
being at a nine to five, treating patients, you know, and only, I can only see a certain number of patients in a, get, in a given day. So I went the online route and I had a blast and ended up like, oh, I was like, are you good with numbers? Like I was in college, I was like, oh yeah, but I like the body. And then I realized, oh, I still can apply this being really good with numbers to business. And also what that does is it allows me to have a bigger impact because if I can grow a coaching company or help a coach improve their marketing, get more clients and get those clients results I'm effectively helping improve the population of, of the world, like, and, you know, one person at a time, but I had a much bigger reach. So I'm like, man, I'm really good with numbers. I'm really good with organization. Can I help other coaches with this organization and numbers so that they can help more people? And that has been so fulfilling. So I exited that company last year, the, the one that was the um, first responder company. So I was, I was working with them for about two years, got to a good point. I was like, all right. I'm going to go ahead and start consulting and coaching other coaches using methods and stuff that I've just learned over the, over the years. So started doing that last September. Yeah. About last September is when I exited. I've been coaching for other coaches for a little over a year now and I've just really fell in love with the process. And yeah, it just it makes me really happy and excited when people succeed and that uh, success is from them helping their clients. Right. And, and, yeah. and I'm, I'm glad to hear that. And you often hear that people in the role that you're doing now, like there's, there's natural born, like people can learn how to be coaches, but some people just have that natural ability to be able to guide people to success is coaching, whether it's coaching a sport or, you know, leading a group of people, has that always been something you've been into or is that something you kind of learned to love as you've gotten into this profession? Oh yeah, it's definitely, that's a great question. Now that I think about it, but yeah, I, I've always enjoyed coaching. When I was in high school, I was, I coached my little brother's middle school basketball team. So I've always been coaching and have always enjoyed that. Even like being in middle school, having leadership roles on the team to kind of coach the other players in the team. So it's always been an innate ability. I guess I just never realized it until, until now, but yeah, I, I really enjoy like, cause coaching also is teaching. It's like, when, what, what's a coach? A coach is a teacher, right? And coaches, they meet somebody where they're at and they give them very digestible pieces of information is also just like motivation that, Hey, an empowerment, you can do this here, go take this step, go do this. You got this. And, um, kind of see people light up with a smile and like it worked or like, or maybe, maybe it didn't work. And you're like, I'm learning and it's still growth, whether it's success, like whatever the thing is you're measuring or the other way, it's like, you're, you're always learning. So I've always had that coaching innate ability. And, and yeah, I've really, I really enjoyed it. I definitely think as, as, cause I've, I've coached you know, basketball in the past. And I'm, I'm now coaching my daughter's soccer team and, and I've led teams and, and been a manager in, in companies for, you know, over 12 years. And I really believe that there are some people that just come into this world who have this just innate ability to lead a group of people and at the same time, continually learn. Because in your position right now, like you can't be stagnant. And I think one of the things that, you know, you are working on and, and helping people with is, is the social media aspect of their coaching uh, and of what they, they need to do. So 
you're younger than me, so I'm sure you've Facebook <laughs> and, and Instagram and all these and Twitter has been, you know, has been more in your life than it has with mine. But what have you learned about like the social media aspect of, of helping people grow their brands and, and be able to market? Yeah, I'd say the number one thing is showing up on social media. Well, one, one is consistency, right? Being consistent. But the other one is being vulnerable. And because that's how we connect with other people is that we share vulnerably with our experiences of like, hey, this is something I struggled with that relates to, let's say if it's a business, that relates to their ideal client. So like, if you come in as like, I'm Mr. Perfect, I eat this way, I run this way, I, these are the supplements I take, it's like, cool. But if you're like, hey man, like when I started running too, I dealt with knee pain and knee pain really prevented me from showing up and committing to myself and it made me want to quit. But then I did this. That type of content that actually like, connects and resonates with someone, what someone's experiencing does way better. Cause sure we can play the algorithm game. of like, I want to try to get more followers, you know, create like hook content that just like kind of catches your attention. But, but you don't need a big following to have a successful business on Instagram or social media. You need your content to be relatable. And you do that through being vulnerable and sharing your story as a way of connecting with your audience. And connecting with your audience is another way of, I believe, of, of engaging and making sure people engage with you and, and vice versa. So you stated, or you have stated on your online that you had to learn how to create engaging Facebook and Instagram ads. So what was that, oh, yeah. what was that learning process? I, I want to know that learning process, but were your ads just incorrect? Were they bland? Were they vanilla? Like what were wrong? What was wrong with your ads before that you had to learn to kind of change? Yeah. It kind of comes back to the same one. It's like, I wasn't telling any stories. It's like, you know, it was like, Hey, click this to get this, which is fine. You know, like it, it worked for that time being, but it wasn't like, Hey, are you experiencing this? I too experienced this here. Or like, you know, a client of mine experienced this too. Here's a story. At the, and then at the end of it, some sort of call to action. So like that, that's an easy framework for any post or ad you ever do. Hook. So what's going to get someone to stop scrolling? And it could be a, oftentimes questions are good. It's like, do you want to improve this? Are you frustrated with this? It could be like, here's this top way to do this. Like something that's like, oh, that's cool. I want to see it. Story. Personal stories do better. But if you don't have a personal story, sharing with a, something that someone else experienced. And at the end of that, the call to action, it could be, hey, if this resonated with you, like this. Or if this resonated with you, comment below. Or share this with somebody. But if that's like a three-part formula to any type of content you ever create that's, that is engaging. And, and I never told stories because I thought stories were boring. Um, <laughs> but they're not. Because it's also because like I, I'm um, knowing your audience too, right? So like some people are very emotional and, and connect with emotional stuff. Some people are more rational. I'm rational. So I'm like, why would someone want a story? <laughs> Just show me it works, you know? So like, but stories by themselves for sure have been the biggest thing I've learned is that most people resonate really well with stories. And I, I totally agree with that. Making the stories, you know, engaging and, and relatable, I think is, you mentioned it being vulnerable in those stories because it, people can say, oh, I've, I've gone through that too he's relatable. So 
in this business you're in now of coaching, of helping others, like what are the common problems people have when they want to sell their business? What are the common problems you see? And I don't want to call them problems, opportunities people may have when, you know, attempting to market or sell what they do. What issues do they run into? Yeah, I would say, I mean, there's a lot, right? But I think a lot of it is not, the first one, just not being clear on who their audience or offer is for. So it's like, who do I serve? It can't be everybody. And then two is having a good enough offer, like a strong offer. Because like, if you're selling, hey, I sell workout programs, people don't want that. It's like, like I saw one today and I actually shot this person a message because I thought it was so good. She works with not equestrians, but like some sort of like specific type of horse rider. And I saw it on Instagram and I was like, I just want to say that you have the absolute best ideal client ever. Like it's not your typical, I help busy women lose 20 pounds in this amount of time. It's like, I help a very specific person with a very specific offer. So first off is just crafting something that people want and is specific to an individual. So that's like offer creation, right? So it's like, do you have an offer that people want? Do you know who it's for? If you've got that, awesome. Then we can talk about sales. So like, what's your process like? And then marketing, how do you get people in front of you? So, so there's, there's a few different things, but I, I, I honestly think the biggest thing when someone's starting is just not having a, a good enough offer. Cause like, if you have a really good offer, people will be drawn in. You don't have to do this like gimmicky sales, like twist your arm type thing. It's just like, Oh, your offer is so good that like, I want your offer. <laughs> how much does your offer cost? Like, how can we do this? <laughs> and when you started all this, you know, one of the things I think people don't realize is you said you, you know, stop the nine to five. And, you know, a lot of times when people do that to go out on their own, that nine to five becomes maybe five thirty to eight o'clock. And, you know, you're, then you're working longer, maybe a few weekends. Like, you know, for the people thinking of venturing out on their own, your personal experience, what were the hours like once you decided to make this transition? I did part-time. I did part-time as a physical therapist, like when I graduated and I was doing, building this part-time. So I had two, I had a, I had some income, I would say it wasn't as a lot. It was enough to pay my like base, like rent, everything like that. That was where I was at with both of those together. So that was, that allowed me some space and I'm just taking care of myself. I didn't have like a family or anything. So there wasn't like this pressure of like, you've got to be bringing in this amount. It was like, well, whatever I, I need, I can bring in. And that was really supportive and, and not everyone is there. But it was really helpful for me to have both things at the same time until one of them got to a tipping point of like, cool, if I go all in with this, it's going to be really easy for me to see a return. Because yeah, when I, when I was, when I did start, and this is pretty typical, like right now I'm in a starting phase for a new project. And I'm working more hours than I normally do. Like it's all, even when I'm not working, I'm thinking about it. I'm like, okay, how can I get in front of more people? How can I share this to more people? How many people do I need to talk to so that I have calls? How many calls do I need to have to get this? You know, so it's like, it is that. But knowing that like, too, when you set up a business, like can you create something that's got reoccurring revenue? And that is a massive game changer. And that's what my first offer was. And then... I have some offers that are like that now, but that made a big difference because then it was just like, instead of thinking of, I have to keep getting new sales every single month. It was like, I just need five people. I need five people who can pay me X. And if I get five people who can pay me X, I'm good. So it's just, it's five instead of five every month. So again, that comes down to offer creation. It's like, well, what can I create 
that isn't this huge barrier of I have to keep getting new sales and new sales and new sales and new sales. And I got to keep working, 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 and you know, eventually hire someone to keep working, working to get more sales. It's like, I want to create something sustainable. Yeah. Again, I don't want to put you on the spot or, or put you in a, a therapy room because I'm not trying to do that. But from your your youth in sports and your youth, you know, time in, you know, weightlifting and, and coaching, it seems like you had a competitive spirit to you. Does that kind of bleed over into what you're doing now? Like, you, are you competitive by nature? And is that, did that come from the sports as when you were a kid? I say yes and no. Cause like business, it is, is a game in a way, right? Like you've got, you've got score, like typically business owners will have scorecards where it's like, you know, okay, total number of website visitors, total number of new trials or new signups, total number of active members. Yeah. It's like a, um, it is a scorecard, but it's like a, what am I looking at? Uh, scoreboard, scoreboard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like at a football game or like a basketball game, you see the score, you see the quarters, you see the time, but knowing that, you know, that it's a never ending game. <laughs> it's not yeah. like there's four <laughs> quarters and it's over. It's like, there's four quarters every year and just keeps, keeps going. So part of it, yeah, I say part of it's competitive, but it's really trying to be just competitive against yourself. Like, and that's, if you get too caught up in like what other people are doing and where other people are at, it can be really destructive. So I think it's important to be competitive with yourself. Look at, you know, all right, what did I do last quarter? Cool. I'm going to try to beat that this quarter. Kind of like weightlifting and, and honestly like running, right? So I imagine runners who, who do that with like 5Ks, marathons or all that stuff. It's like, cool, I just want to get a little better. So you're competing against yourself. And if you can keep doing it that way and you set goals that are realistic and also exciting, it's just fun. Like that's, that's all we're doing here <laughs> on earth is we all just like to play. We all play our own different games, whether it's in the gym, whether it's running, whether it's business, it's like, we just want to get better. <laughs> and I love that because you're absolutely right. And I was going to mention that about running. Like that is like, of course, a lot of the people listening to this show are, are they run for fitness and some of them might be competitive runners. And, and of course, at that point you have to, you know, ultimately compared to your competition. But for people like me who run for fitness, you know, my competition is myself. And, you know, if I want to, you know, run a little faster, then I have to start pushing myself. If I want to run a little farther, then I have to push myself. And I have the ability to stay stagnant too. I have the ability to run a, a, a 10 minute mile today and run a 10 minute mile tomorrow and run a 10 minute mile next week. However, if I want to get down to 940, 920, then there's things I have to do to compete, you know, myself. And I'm glad, glad you mentioned that. So, cause I, I believe, and you can, you can correct me if I'm wrong on this, but I believe a lot of the times when people get into running their own business or wanting to be successful at something, a lot of the time they'll look at where is this person? How do I get to where this person is instead of kind of having a baseline of where they're at now and continually just improving? And is that some of the things that you have to work with the people you coach? Is that some of the things you have to tell them when they're working with you? Yeah, it's, it's looking back at the net last 90 days. And if there's nothing there in the past quarter, you're like, oh, I don't have anything tracked. I don't have any leads. I don't have any sales. It's like, well, cool. What, it, what do you think, like, what do you want to do? And a lot of it's like future framing of like, okay, what would be a home run in a year from now? 
and then meeting them. Okay. Now is that realistic? Like how many people are needed to actually hit that? Like if you want that, how many phone calls do you need to have? Okay. Let's, let's put that in the calendar. And they realize, Oh, that's, that's not possible. Like, <laughs> you know, it's like, that would mean I'd have a call every hour for every day for the next six months. So like, do you want that? Don't you have to do other things? Like, yeah, that's not going to happen. Right. So a lot of it is just being like, what have you been doing? Where do you want to go? Just like a, a running coach would do, or uh, like for me, when I was programming and weightlifting or even physical therapy, it's all the same thing. It's just giving people a plan of like, cool. All right. Three days a week, I want you to do this, you know, and then another two days, I want you to do this. So it could be two days a week. I want you just to go on Instagram and just connect with people. Okay. For an hour. And another three days a week, once you go network, you know, so it, it is a lot, a lot of it is just what can I commit to doing myself? And it's not to say that you can't learn from people who are doing it at a high level. Like I definitely, I look at a lot of really highly successful people's ads. I'm like, cool, that's awesome. I love what they're doing. They have like, you know, 50 more campaigns than I have going up right now. doesn't mean I should be running 50 more campaigns, right? <laughs> but I'll go through all the funnels and just be like, oh, what's this person doing? Okay, cool. Awesome. I might get there. I might not, but you know what? That's cool. I, at least I know, you know, but I'm not like suggesting that everyone should just, you know, copy and paste because the stuff that they've done to get there has taken them a long time. Right. And that's a lot of the time when, when we're looking at, because as consumers, we see the finished product. We don't always see the yeah. work that's put into it. And I kind of wish Hami was on this call because I want to put you on the spot real quick because he he mentioned something about sales and marketing and about uh progressing but you know one of the stories he likes to tell and i can't remember the specifics of it is you know when there's sales quotas like he had a person he was talking to where he was constantly meeting a sales quota and his boss would always give him you know new attainable increased sales quotas and then a new boss came in and decided <laughs> to give him unattainable sales quotas. And that's, Kami kind of likes that part. He he wants to push people to something that's unattainable to, because he, he basically says, if you're reaching your goal every month, every year, then it's not really the right goal. You should be doing more. I don't know if I agree wholeheartedly, but you're an entrepreneur. You're helping people increase their market share. You're helping people, you know, hopefully increase the amount of money they're making you know, you're helping people expand their businesses, whether that be a brick and mortar, whether that be online, whatever it is, you know, what's your thought about attainable goals, goal setting, and, you know, how do you coach people to kind of reach their goals? Yeah. So this is also, um, this is an oversimplification, but there's typically like, there's two types of people. In business and then also in performance, like if you think of runners, you could probably think of your friends. There's like the person that's got a little bit of pain and they'll just overdo it. They're just going to be like, they're going to push through it, right? They're going to be like, oh, I know it hurts, but I'm just going to keep going. And then there's the others that are like, if they feel a little bit of pain or, you know, if it doesn't feel right, they back off completely. So both of those people, and if we apply this to business, there are some people that like, you know, I want to make, I'm going to make a million dollars a month starting next month. And then there's others that are like, oh, I just want to like, you know, pay my bills. Like those two people are going to require a totally different goal setting strategy. It's like the person that's like, oh, I got to shoot this way. We do have to kind of pull them back just a little bit, right? It's like, hey, I hear you. We're going to get there. But if you, and I've, I've been part of teams that are like this to where it's like, they have this big vision and every quarter they don't hit it. And the team feels bad. The team's like, 
we keep failing, you know, but that's when you have an overambitious leader that doesn't see what has to happen. But then there's the opposite of somebody that's like, you know, just a little slow. It's like, Hey, we need to act like, I'm going to try to get this. Like we're going to overshoot for this, like knowing as the coach or the the mentor that they're going to probably fall short of it, but it's still going to get them to do more than what they already would do. So it really depends just like coaching. Like it's to say, Hey, this is the goal setting way. is kind of a cookie cutter approach because there are going to be some people that need to be pulled back and being like, yeah, if you do that, you're going to break your business. And if you, the other one of like, you actually need to push harder if you want to hit that goal or if you like even want to hit your goal, it's like you need to do more. So let's aim for more knowing that we're going to hit that goal. So that'd be my answer for it. Amazing. There's not a one size fits all approach to <laughs> to building a brand and building a business. That's, uh, you know, uh, I'm glad you said it the way you said it. And uh, what that tells me about you is it seems like you take an approach to each one of your clients that it's going to be specific to their needs and specific to their wants. And there's also a human element to this because at no point do you want your business to grow, but every month you feel like you're failing. Like that seems very hard to continue that way. Just because you've set these overly ambitious goals, you want to take over, you know, 25% of the market share within six months and you've never done it before. And it's like, there's people been in this market for 20 years. And so is a lot of your work kind of, would you say kind of setting appropriate expectations for your clients? Yeah, definitely setting goals first. It's like when someone starts, it's that's typically onboarding, right? So it's like, cool, let's work on your offer. What are your, what's your offer at? Cool. Awesome. What's your sales process? We'll tweak that. Okay. Now we have sales and offer dialed in. We know how that's going to happen. Marketing is where it's like, we need to bring people in. It's like, well, based on what your goals are, We'll, we'll dictate what type of marketing channels we use. Do we need a lot more traffic? Cool, let's start paying for traffic. Do you just want to serve a few people? Cool, you can do that from networking and not pay a dime. And so doing social media, cool. So yeah, I think that like individual goal setting is important. And you, know, you can still have the same model. So like for a lot of the people that I work with, there's still the same model, right? So there's still going to be, we're going to run some sort of paid ads. We're going to use a similar style of social media posting consistency and like strategy. And then we have, uh, depending on the offer, but a pretty similar sales system. So like how the, the, the actual processes and like even fulfillment, that can be somewhat congruent. And there'll be some things that are different, but the, the individual goals and like how we get there is going to be different based off the individual's goals and like what really excites them and feels expansive. Like if they don't like doing like cold outreach, then they might not be doing cold outreach because they're going to hate it. Right. But if, if someone's like, I want to connect with as many people as possible, I want to go on podcasts, I want to do those things. It's like, cool, let's build a plan that will fill your, your system that, that we built doing that. I mean, is, is cold calling dead? Do you think it's dead or is that still something people can utilize? I think the cold outreach, uh, as far as like, you know, the cold DMs still work. Those are like, <laughs> those do work. So like finding people on, on Facebook or Instagram, connecting with them, but doing so in a, in a way that's like not spamming, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like forming a relationship with somebody. Like that's what we all want, right? It's like, is more relationships. So that works well. And then sometimes if it's B2B, like business to business, sending emails out to founders or people who are decision makers, that still works. Uh, it's a low conversion rate. 
I mean, it's like you're looking at a 5%, about 5% or so. So if you send out 100 emails, maybe five will schedule a call or so. So it, 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 it again, that depends on skill. But I wouldn't say it's dead, but cold calling itself, yeah, that, that's frustrating. And some people get frustrated with cold emails and cold messages. It still is a, a, an effective strategy. It's just um, it's not fun to do. Right. I prefer people to, like, if you're starting a business, maybe start that because it's cheapest. But then over time, it's like, that's not the best way to utilize your right. time. You know, it's like you want people coming to you being like, I want your stuff, like what you're sharing is special. And I know with the social media age you're living in now, I know there are programs out there, especially on Instagram, where people can use actually pay for programs to create fake bots to pretend to be actual humans to message you about a business or about an ambassador program or about a great deal on clothing or jewelry or fitness products. You know, I don't, I don't want to put you on the spot, but is that something you've ever thought about? Something you've ever used? Like I, and I know, like I get them a lot of the time and then you go back to that message a week later and it's inactive account (laughs) and you're like this was a total bot because they had seven numbers after their name so like is that something that you see it works or is that something you've ever used before i would never use that no (laughs) you know i have had virtual assistants like help with messages so like you know like if if you're running a business it's hard to have it's hard to be on your Instagram and responding to messages as they come in. So, and I've, I've set up some basic automations like, Hey, comment run below and I'll send you a run guide. So there are some automations that are out there that will do that automatically. So it's like they comment run and a link is sent to them and, the, and through their messenger, it's like, Hey, here's the link that you requested. Those ones I'm fine with, or even like, you know, like, Hey, thanks for reaching out. Like enter your name, phone number, email, just like you would have contact us form on your website. So some of those quote, they're not, there are bots technically, but they're not pretending the bots aren't pretend. Like it's a lot of times it'll say, Hey, this is a bot. Like, and you can tell it's, it's, it's going so fast that it's asking basic information, like, and it maybe it's helping you schedule a call or something. Those are fine. But if it's like, yeah, like spammy, Hey, buy this thing at this percent off. Right. That's not cool, you know? <laughs> and I, I know the ones you're talking about because a lot of, with more options for people to get, especially in the fitness industry, especially in the beauty industry, especially in the industry to help with even physical therapy, like cold physical therapy, which is a big thing now, whether you're in uh, cryo chambers or the cryo uh, sleeves for, for your legs. I, I know, especially in my area, there's a few places that have opened up and they'll, they'll market on Instagram and say, you know, you know, 50% off of your, your first appointment and you click on it and it immediately goes to one of these things you're talking about where you fill out your information and then they like ask you for the best time to, for them to call you, or they ask you to make an appointment then and there, or you need to give your email so they can send it to your email for, so I'm assuming those are the virtual assistants you're speaking about. Well, that'd be software. A virtual assistant would be like having somebody who can be an account who can just like manage the DMs, like or manage the conversations. Okay. So like, let's say you know if if you're because typically with marketing, like if someone comes in, it's like, hey, I'm interested. There's some good research to show. Like the sooner you can respond back to them, the better. Because a- over time, people realize, you know, I don't know that I don't. They get second thoughts. I, I don't know if that's actually for me. So, you know, if you can only be on social media an hour a day, which again 
that's a lot already. Right. But, but for online coaches, like in the fitness space, being like social media is a big way to get more clients. So I, in the past I've, I've worked with companies that will have like an assistant, like who's a real person who's answering messages and connecting with people. Right. So it's like, if someone asks a question on social media, you can have your assistant respond. And, um, you know, so some people will tell, Hey, this is Sally. I work with so-and-so I'm responding. And other people just respond as that person. Or it definitely depends. Like if it's a business, people understand that a business is responding. If it's a person, sometimes it can be a little tricky of like, okay, well, should, should the person tell them that they're responding as Sally or should it just be that person? So that's the type of thing that that's the type of when I say like a, a virtual assistant who's in there, they're answering questions, like keeping the account activity. If someone comments, they comment back. Just somebody who's in there responding to what's going on. But it's a real person. It's not a fake bot. You know? <laughs> so again, I'm chatting uh, today with Dr. Matthew Shiver, who is a PT, trans or was a PT, transitioned into entrepreneur, and he's a health and wellness business coach and systems expert. And... I think the uh, the last kind of thing I want to talk to you about and, and ask you about is, you know, basically, is this for every? Like, I understand, like everyone has, and I say everyone, I'm I'm using air quotes and it's hyperbole, but you know, everyone has like nowadays. It's it's really easy to start a business. It's not easy to maintain it, but and when I say start a business, like I can go to a website. I mean, I think it's like $29.99 to get your own website or maybe less than that. <laughs> I don't know. You can even do it from Facebook. But, you know, two parts to this. One, you know, for someone thinking about doing this and they have, they believe they have the next niche product, they have an untapped market, you know, what are some kind of advice that you have for them and when do people need to LLC? Like, when do they need to start protecting themselves? Is that something you should think about at the beginning? You know, something you should think about later on? Like, so for I'm starting a business, like, what are some of the things like, I have to think about if I'm trying to do that? Yeah, you mentioned first is like, you think they, they think they have a good product market fit. They think they've got a good niche. And first off, it's just like testing that. And a lot of times it's by friends and families, or it could be on social media, but you don't necessarily spend money on something that, that's not making money yet. So it's like, it's easy to be like, Oh, like uh, there's physical therapists that I know that have like bought an office and like had full people in there before seeing a client. And it's like, you're way ahead of yourself. Can you like see five people? Can you get five people to pay you? And then like, once you've got five people that are your ideal clients and you're getting them good results, then you can start like, okay, cool. I'm going to make this into something. I'm going to get an LLC. I'm going to start looking at branding but or like font, like logos, but like people, like, I mean, when I first started my first business, I was like, what's my logo mm. going to be? Right. <laughs> it's like, nobody cares what your logo is going to be. You know, it doesn't matter. Like branding does matter once you are an established brand. But when you're first starting out, it's better just to be, oh, what do you do? Oh, Matt Shiver coaching, Matt Shiver consulting. Because people know Matt Shiver. They don't know my business name. And until my, until my personal brand or personal name has gotten to this level, then it makes sense to have a brand. So, yeah, I'd say find five to 10 people, work with them. Then you can look about getting an LLC. Then you can think about getting a website. Then you can think about getting a name. But 
really, if you think you can prove a concept is like test it first. Right. And testing is free for the most part. You know, you text 20 people, Hey, I'm looking for these people. Uh, I'd love to like connect over coffee to see if this is of interest. Okay, cool. And then you just set up times to meet with people. Does this sound cool? Are you interested in this? And if they say no, cool, go back to the drawing board. You know? When you mention that, it's got to be so nerve wracking sometimes for for a person who might not have the, you seem like a person who has the confidence to do this and it might be fake it till you make it. I'm not going to judge you one way or the other, but <laughs> you know, for someone who might not have that confidence and you know, in the back of their mind is like, I don't want them to think I'm in an MLM. Like, I don't want them to think I'm trying to get them to, you know, buy something. So they have to buy it for me and they have to set like, you know, that first conversation with that first potential client where you're in a coffee house, you mean a library, you might just meet in a parking lot. You might just, whatever the face-to-face is in that first sales pitch, because let's, let's be honest, you're selling yourself, you're selling your product, you're selling what you yeah. want your brand to be there has to be some type of nerves involved with that. Definitely. Definitely. And it still gets that way. I mean, over time you, it, it becomes a different kind of becomes excitement. Right. But yeah, I'm, I'm thinking of the first time that I like told somebody what my rates were. I was like, you know, it is so low. Right. It was like, <laughs> for the time I thought it was high. I'm right. like, <sighs> just like prolonging. But a, a lot of times too, for that first interaction, what can be helpful is, is leading with, Leading from a place of, like, I, I've been a part of some coaching programs that will teach called like uh, market research or client interviews. And it could be reaching out to somebody you think could be an ideal client and being like, hey, I want to meet and just talk for coffee. I'm developing this new program or this new service. And it serves people like yourself. And I just want to ask questions. This is not a sales conversation. I just want to ask questions to see what it is that you want. And oftentimes by doing that, you get to know what people actually want. And then you can come back around at the end of the conversation. You're like, cool. Thank you so much for your time. Like I want to treat you coffee or treat them for a, treat them for a meal. You, you pay for their meal. And you're like, Hey, do you, you mind? Like when I finish putting this together, is this something you're interested in? Like if I reach back out, would you be interested in me like reaching out to you? And they'll let you know. Yeah. So that's almost like an easier way to start the conversation where it's not pressureful. It's like, right. Hey, I'm looking to build this thing and I'm trying to just talk to more people who want, who are in this niche. And if, if you want it, cool. And if not, they'll, they'll tell you as opposed to like, Hey, let's get coffee. I have this offer that I want to already pitch you. It's like, I want you to help me right. build this thing. And it, it helps them feel safe. Right. And I'm sure I mean, in those situations, they may know someone that could benefit from what you're trying to, what you're basically working on. So I think that's some of the best advice that you can give somebody trying to start. And from the opposite side of it, I'm going to say this isn't a question. You, I'm just going to say this out loud. If you have a friend or a family member or someone who's starting a business, like don't ask for a discount like that's Don't don't be that right. person. Do not be that person. You should be wanting to pay them more than what they're doing because you want to support them and help them. I just, hey, I know this person. He, uh, he sells fitness stuff. We can get a good discount. Like, no, don't do that. Don't, don't do that. Like support the people who are, yeah. <laughs> who are, who are basically sweat and tears day and night trying to, to build their brand. And the last thing they want to do is give someone they've known for 25 years, a discount, a family or friend discount. I just, I, that, that I had to say that out loud because it so infuriates me 
when I hear things like that. Hannah, I, I feel it too. And when I, when I started, I thought that I had to do that. It's like family fans discount. Like I thought I had to, and I'm like, man, but now I'm like, yeah, like you said, it's like, you want to see them succeed. You should pay them more. <laughs> You're like, is that it? I, I always said, I always said yeah. this. I always said, as a good friend, if I own a business, I would want to give my friends discounts, but as a better friend, I'd want to always pay my friend retail rate of what they're selling, whether that be a membership, whether that be, you know, if they're selling items out, if they're selling CDs out of back of their, their car, like people used to do in New York. And and I know people don't do that anymore because they just put it on Spotify, but you know, I'd want to pay you if it's 10 bucks, I want to pay you 12. You know, I want to, I want to help. I want to be the person that you remember as helping you succeed in what you're doing. So Dr. Matt, I appreciate you being on the show. How can people get in contact with you? How can they learn more about you? What are your social media handles? Yeah, you can find me at Dr. Matt Shriver, Dr. Matt Shriver on uh, Instagram. That's the primary platform I'm on. You can find me on Facebook, LinkedIn, TikTok, all of them. Same thing as Dr. Matt Shriver or uh, just mattshiver.com is my website. Awesome. And what, you find yeah, me and what's next for you? What's the last question? What's next for you? Yeah. So I've been supporting a lot of people one-on-one in a one-on-one fashion uh, here recently. And in November 1st, I'm actually launching a mastermind group. That's going to be a group of coaches. And I'm going to have 10 people in this first cohort. And we're just going to work together on creating this model. This, um, the, I've got the model. The model is we're going to help people like build their ads for them, like with them, give them the actual tools, templates to do that help them with repurposing content. So they have a social media strategy and then creating a conversational based sales strategy for their business. So doing a lot of like going from the one-on-one stuff where it's higher ticket to a more affordable group offer that's going to give people the tools to be able to do this on their own and uh, really looking forward to that. So I just actually started talking about that last week and I opened, opened the ability to, to sign up or to book a call this week so been excited. I've, I've got, you know, this, it, every, every time I get a new offer, it's similar. You get a little fear of like, Oh, I gotta, I gotta pitch it, you know, but uh, <laughs> it's really exciting to see this thing come together. I had one person sign up already for just from pre-sale. Like I didn't, I didn't even have it open and I've got a few more calls booked this week. So really excited to, to yeah, just, uh, just get 10 people for November 1st to, to put them through this. Awesome. Dr. Matt, why well, appreciate you being on the show. Good luck to you. I look forward to, seeing where this goes for you. And, and I just have a, a good feeling about what you're doing. So I'm sure the people you work with do too. So thank you so much for being a part of the show. You take care of yourself. Okay. All right. Thank you.